she becomes so envious and desirous of children that Rachel gives Jacob her handmaid to have children for him. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we go through the Bible in one year. It's very exciting. It's our 34th year. Now listen, we're going to study Genesis chapter 30 today as we look at 1 through 13. As we focus on this passage, we're going to do that in about three minutes time. So stay there. Corey? Today, I'm going to be taking a look at childbearing customs from the ancient Near East. Ryan? Today, Christian UFO researcher Gary Bates is back to talk to us a little bit more about what's really going on. I love Gary Bates. He's one of my favorite guys, and uh, he is just excellent. So that's a good one. Janice? Today, growing in the grace of God. All right. So take your Bible guide. If you have a Bible guide, if you don't, why not? We'll tell you how to get one in a moment. But turn to today's passage as we begin to study. They're coming up in about 15 minutes time. Let's look at this. Genesis 30, 1 through 13. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here is my maid Bilhah, Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Genesis chapter 30, verses 1 through 13. You know, Genesis is an amazing book. We have a lot of firsts in this book. Chapters 1 through 11 are fascinating as we discover the creation event and all of that. It really is something. But we learn a lot about Israel, who was Jacob, and God renamed him Israel. Now, it's both popular and unpopular to support Israel in the world today. And we've seen that over the past several months, haven't we? But what is interesting is the spiritual realities surrounding the nation of Israel. This nation was named by God himself. God changed Jacob's name to Israel because he struggled with God and struggled with men and he prevailed. Genesis 32. Now this description of Jacob's life 
is paralleled in Genesis 30. There was a posterity war between the sisters. Rachel, the woman he loved and had worked so hard for, well, she was barren and could not have any children. The woman that he did not love, but was tricked into marrying instead of Rachel was Leah, and she bore his children. Now, this troubled Rachel deeply. So she did only what somebody who is envious and selfish and all of that could do, and she gave her maidservant to Jacob. Her maidservant's name is Bilhah. And Bilhah conceived and had children. And then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. Genesis 30, verse 8. She called his name Naphtali, which sounds like the Hebrew word for wrestling. Now, in today's reading, we're going to learn a lot about what God said and learn a lot about what they thought. And God still works in spite of all of that. That's absolutely fascinating. So take your Bible guide. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can get one by simply uh, writing or calling us. And you can also go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, uh, just make sure that uh, we get your name and your address and all of that. And we will teach you through the Bible Discovery or the Bible Network, the Bible Discovery Guide, that what you can do is get in the Bible and read through it from Genesis to Revelation each year. And so when you do that, that's great. Also, BibleDiscoveryTV.com is a place where you can get it as well. Let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us his way. Father, teach us your way and show us your path as we study Genesis 30 and we look carefully at it. And thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Now, when Rachel saw that she had bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I'll die. And Jacob was angered and aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees. And that I also may have children by her. Now, you know, what's, what's amazing to me is the first point, envious and desiring children so deeply, Rachel gives Jacob her handmaid, Bilhah. This is intense. Remember that true satisfaction in life comes first from God. We need to remember that today. Our situation will be different. Our situation will be changed. We need to understand that all of the desires in our heart, which God has given us, all of the needs that we have are from God. We can't go search for it and find it. We, we go to God, one God, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. When we go to him and we get with his plan, he gives us the satisfaction and the ability to go forward. Now, Rachel wasn't doing any of that. She said to Jacob, you know, I need children. And Jacob said, I'm not God. And that's interesting because that selfish, that desire inside of us, which God gives us, it is God. She never prayed and never asked God, but she just gives her handmaiden to her husband. What an incredible problem that is. All right. So let's go back to the scripture and learn more about this. The Bible says, then 
She gave him Bilhah, her maiden as wife. And Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. And indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Neptali. Now here again, we see this unbelievable desire. Two sons are born to Jacob through Bilhah for Rachel. This is fascinating. God helps us in times of desperation, even though it may be painful. And let me tell you something. Rachel had this desire for children. And she said that, and she is intense. But you see, when we come to Christ, it may not be what we want at the time, but it is something that we need to understand God will give us when he puts those desires in our hearts. We come to Christ and say, Lord, may I have the things you desire me to have that you desire me to have, not that I want, I want, I want. Now, that's important. Now, there are times when we make mistakes and God helps us, and that's what's happening here. Rachel's making a mistake, but God still has the ability to take over and take those mistakes and make them right. That doesn't give us justification to continue to do that. So this is very interesting. Now, we go to the last passage of Scripture, and this is fascinating. Here is what the Bible actually says. As we focus on this, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing children, she took Zilpah, that's her maidservant, and gave her to Jacob as wife. Same problem. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. And then Leah said, a troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. And then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will, be call, will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now, this is really something. Leah was unloved and became envious. So she gave her handmaid Zilpah to Jacob to have more children. You see, envy and selfishness in our heart breeds more envy and selfishness. Envy and selfishness always breeds more envy and selfishness. That's a problem. So, beloved, we need to come to Christ. We need to come to the Lord. And when we do and we say, Lord, I've got to do this your way, not my way. Help me to do that. Then God puts us on a journey to learn his ways and know his paths, which is what I always pray. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your paths today in the name of Jesus Christ. Whenever we just grab whatever we want, take whatever we want, that ends in disaster. And if you don't believe me, watch the news because that's what the disaster is today. Very interesting. Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar? Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things, and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. If we're entirely different to every living, other living thing on earth, we have entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators.
All right, so yesterday I introduced you to UFO researcher Gary Bates, and I'm sure a lot of you watching already know of Gary, and maybe you've even read his book called Alien Intrusion, UFOs and the Evolution Connection. Or maybe you've seen his recent video documentary called Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception. In any case, I asked him to respond to a popular claim regarding the UFO phenomenon. In particular, that these are spaceships with extraterrestrials visiting us from other parts of the galaxy and beyond. Here's Gary. So the world would hold to generally the extraterrestrial hypothesis, mm. which you were just talking about, where basically they believe that the, these are beings, these are aliens, extraterrestrials from other parts of the galaxy visiting Earth. Yeah. But uh, what do the researchers, the top researchers, uh, say to that? Yeah. Well, that was the most popular view when I started. It's what we see in science fiction, you know, people flying around in their warp drive spaceships and, you know, visiting different planets and whatever. Uh, to be honest, I would suggest the serious ufologist, somebody who has to look at the evidence of what's happened, doesn't believe that anymore. So something called the interdimensional hypothesis, which is kind of, if you want to put it in secular terms, the view I've always held, but it's because the evidence demands that. So recently, I mean, the government has been openly admitting that they've seen these things on radar and their fighter pilots chase them and they can't catch them and they do right angle turns without slowing down. I mean, you get the audio from the pilots and they're literally freaking out over the, over the airwaves because I can't catch it, look what it's doing. And then it just vanishes into thin air. Mm. Um, you know, on average, they, they claim there's about 150 UFO sightings or reported every day mm. around the world. Most of them can be explained, but we never see them enter our atmosphere from outside. Like we've never seen, you know, a, a UFO or UAP, they call it now, entering our atmosphere. So when they appear, they're here and then they disappear. Mm. And then, you know, the more sinister aspect is what, what they call abductions, where people claim that these entities and they take different shapes and forms, they're not aliens, they sometimes say there's a black cloud or a mist, and I know some of your viewers, some of them will have experiences. Mm. Um, and then they, you know, have this encounter uh, in their room, and then there's missing time, they wake up hours later, they can't recall what's happened, but they always have this alien theme as part of it. And so these beings appear and disappear. So that's why the interdimensional hypothesis is the most popular view because they're not traveling here, they're obviously entering our realm from another realm or dimension. Mm. And of course, Ryan, we know as Christians, the Bible has always spoken about an interdimensional realm. That's right. So the ufologists use terms like, you know, multi, multiverse or something like that. Uh, one of the most famous researchers, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, he used words like psychic mm. and occultic. Wow. Even so, as Christians, we might just use the term spiritual or supernatural. And the Bible's always said that supernatural beings, angels, good and bad, have come to the earth. They've interfered with human beings. They've affected our, our weather and all sorts of stuff. Guess what? Just like these appearances of alleged UFOs and aliens do today. 
Now, Gary, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss this topic a little bit more, and it's going to be really interesting because I ask him whether it's even within the reality of the physical universe to build starships and warp drive. In the meantime, remember, all of these interviews I'm sharing with you in January are short clips from my new resource called A World by Design 3, which you can order by writing or calling in or by going to our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And I would recommend that you get that. It's uh, very interesting. Gary Bates is outstanding. He really is. He is. Um, but it, it's really fascinating to look at this because all of the Star Trek stuff and all of the Star Wars stuff is, everybody talks about it, but it's nearly, it, it's, it's impossible uh, to, I mean, the beaming and all that, it's just impossible. In fact, you know why they did that? Originally in the scripts, they had to figure out a way to get the, the subjects from one point to another. So they just came up with the idea of beaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's impossible to tear your molecules apart, then put them on radio waves and put them back together again. That's just one of the things. Yeah, so interesting discussion for sure. It really is. It really is fascinating. Okay, Corey. All right. Well, over the last couple of days here, we have read some really strange practices coming from the patriarchs, coming from the biblical book of Genesis. And this is because it's difficult for us to understand because our culture is so far removed in both time and space from this ancient Near Eastern culture that we have lost a lot of these practices. Uh, so let's jump right into it. We're going to focus specifically on marriage and childbearing customs that we've read about today. The lives of the fathers of Israel are recorded in the biblical book of Genesis, and they contain elements of living that seem foreign to our modern societies. For example, the use of Sarah's maidservant Hagar to produce a child in Sarah and Abraham's otherwise monogamous marriage. In a world without medical fertility treatments, this arrangement not only made practical sense, but ancient records have been found legislating the practice. At different times and places, there were varying laws, but all aimed to define the legal status of the surrogate and the resulting child. In Sarah and Abraham's case, we also see Hagar then make a power play, maybe for wife status, which Sarah swiftly rectified, likely by demoting her to slave status and treating her poorly, which, not surprisingly, also has parallels in ancient accounts. It's notable that though Sarah was barren for most of their married lives, during that time Abraham did not take a second wife. This could be due to a personal moral code, love, or it could have been the result of their marriage contract. Details varied from contract to contract. Some prohibited any other wives or concubines. Some gave stipulations on how many years to try for a child before a surrogate or secondary wife was sought, and others outlined where any inheritance should go. Before Ishmael's birth by proxy and Isaac's birth by Sarah, Abraham made reference to another ancient solution, adoption. Abraham lamented that his servant was his heir. This practice is also known and in certain places was legislated. Marriage and childbirth became a motivating factor in the troubled lives of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. The women both vying for cultural supremacy via how many children they and their maidservants could bear. While this was a mess, the Bible also records a complaint Rachel and Leah had against their father, that he had squandered their inheritance and so they felt he had basically sold them. A bride price for married daughters was normally given to the husband in trust in case of the husband's death or absence, but apparently Laban refused to give or outline the bride price, treating his daughters more like common slaves and not caring for their futures. 
I hope that this helps you to untangle some of the narratives that we read in the book of Genesis, specifically when it comes to the kind of messed up family relationships of the patriarchs, because this is the society that they were dealing in. It's a society that was unlike our own in terms of culture and technology, but was very much like our own in terms of human nature and our tendencies towards needing to uh, make a name for ourselves, uh, needing to find a place for ourselves in society and dealing with things like pride and feelings of wanting to belong and all of this. Human nature hasn't changed, but our settings certainly have changed. It's really interesting because when you say human nature hasn't changed, a lot of people today take on the position that, well, we've evolved. We've become more right. sophisticated because right. of our technology, you know, because we're, we're greater. That's really not the case. Human nature has maintained its downward fall, and God is going to step in at some point in the future. And well, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and I, I and that's what makes history, I think, in a lot of ways so compelling for people when they begin to get into history and they begin to read it. And it, it's one of the reasons that makes the Bible so compelling as well, because even though Abraham and Sarah lived thousands and thousands of years ago, we can understand not necessarily their situation as our own life situation, but we can understand their emotions mm-hmm. and we can understand their desire to uh, to survive, to have loving relationships, to uh, you know, to be prominent even. We understand the vices of ancient man and we understand the longings of ancient man, even though it looks different for us today because we live in a different context. Right? But the thing is, we 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 can't control it. Uh, we have to deal with these things that, that come to us, like not having children and all of that. We have to deal with this. We're not gods. We can't make this happen. Well, and this is really where I was going today in growing in the grace of God, because to your point, these are still the same emotions that happen today because Mm -hmm. we're still human beings with emotions and things that don't go the way we've planned. Mm -hmm. It would have been in Rachel's heart from the beginning to be able to have children. And, and, and here she's seeing her sister being able to fulfill that which she couldn't. And, and she even blamed Jacob for it. Mm -hmm. And then his emotion comes out. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what am I supposed to do about it? And yet, you know, we, we see this still today in our culture. And oftentimes, Coria and, and, and Ryan and Rod, if you, you know, want to join in as well, when we see these twists and turns in our lives as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to recognize and what, what the word of God is so amazing for us in so many ways. But in this particular example, when we see situations in history play out, we see the consequences of our decisions that we make. Yes. And they do play out. And we can see here if we look back and we think, oh, if only they had chosen this way. And oh, if they had only chosen that way. And and our God is sovereign. And our God is big. And he can direct our paths. And he can take um, even our poor choices and make them into what they should be. And I think that's really um, where we can focus on this today because as you as you read this chapter 30, you're thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on here? It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like this and then that happens and then this happens and then we have this plan and that plan. And it seems uh, all of these twists and turns. And so I think that it's very good for us to recognize 
um, that we still have that human nature. We're still going to um, have emotions um, with what's going on. Absolutely. And what's in our lives. I and, think, go yeah. ahead. Well, and, and we can see that I, like really clearly in the character of Leia, how she changes, right? Because she's, she's just hoping so desperately that she will be favored mm-hmm. or loved by her husband by having more and more children. And, and I think that I, I'm, I'm sure that men can identify, can identify with that in a different way. Yes. And women, we can understand wanting mm-hmm. the affection of a husband and wanting the attention of a husband. Most of us can anyway. And, um, but we see, we get to see her character change in Genesis, right? Yes. With the birth of Judah, she realizes it's hopeless. She can't win. She can't change someone else. Yes. But she can allow herself to be changed by the reality that God sees her and God loves her. So she names Judah praise, Praise. right? Mm -hmm. So we see this character change in Leah and it, and it, and looking at these lessons from Genesis, these interpersonal lessons and these personal lessons that we can glean from the text, even though they're so far removed, it reminds me of Solomon's words in Proverbs where he says that the book of Proverbs, one of the points is to make the inexperienced wise, right? If we're careful with the text, if we take time to sit with it and read it in context, we can gain wisdom that is inexperiential. I may not have experienced the life circumstances that Rachel and Leah have, but because it's there for me in black and white, I can still learn lessons and and learn from their experiences. Mm-hmm. I think what one of the things that's really interesting is that the I heard somebody say the other day that he was talking about grief, and he says grief becomes a part of you and it never goes away. It lives in you for the rest of your life. He says, but when you get comfortable with it, the only way to get comfortable with what we go through in life is to allow Jesus Christ to come into our life and help us. And I, and I think about all these experiences, like we were not created to die. We were not created to have broken relationships and all that. Yet God has allowed us to live with that sin pattern and those sin patterns in our lives so that we will understand what it means to be redeemed and be born again. And I think that's very important. That's really the message of the word of God as we go through it. So God is teaching us and showing us how to respond to him. And my encouragement to you would be follow the Bible and give your life to Jesus Christ. Allow him to change the way you are. No one else can. Thank you for joining us as we study the Bible today. I want to remind you that uh, Spotify is one of the places or iHeartRadio or whatever. You can get this program on all of the podcast places that you get your podcast from. So check it out there. Today we need to pray, Lord, I want to follow you. 
Help me to do that and help me, Lord, to understand that you are the one who gives me the absolute desires of my heart. In Jesus' name, and we pray together, amen.